You're listening to Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for being here with us. It is Election Day, and we are talking about voting in a number of different ways this morning. And we want to hear from you about voting. What's your experience been at the polls, if you've been already? Or tell us what's motivating you to get to the polls today. Is it a candidate that you are really charged up to give your vote to? Is it an issue that you are really passionate about this time on the ballot. Uh, Also tell us what that experience is like at the polls. This is the first time in Michigan that we don't have the option for straight party ticket voting. Uh, The idea that you've got to now go through and mark the oval for every candidate that you want as opposed to marking one oval at the top and having it apply to everyone. How is that changing the way that you might vote? Are you thinking differently about how you cast your votes? Uh, Also tell us how smoothly things went at the polls. Tell us how many people you saw there. Uh, Is it more people than in 2016 or in 2014? Is this wave that everyone is talking about uh, unfolding today in uh, in Southeast Michigan. As always, the number on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page, put your comments there, or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and uh, we will try to work you into the conversation. And joining us now to talk about another interesting dynamic among voters and in voting is Dante Cini. He directs the American Communities Project at George Washington University and writes the Politics Counts blog for the Wall Street Journal. He recently wrote an article called The Yawning Divide That Explains American Politics. Dante Cini, welcome to Detroit Today. Well, thank you for having me on. Mm-hmm. I, I want to read uh, just a little uh, bit of this of this article uh, to, to set this up for the listeners. Uh, you said, once the political outlooks of white men without a college degree and white women with one were similar. In recent years, the groups, which represent about 40% of voters, have moved sharply apart. Once white voters as a whole were persuadable, they might have leaned toward one party or the other, but no big block within the group was out of reach. Today, as, as a chart with the article shows, a campaign for Congress in many places starts with 60% of college-educated white women favoring the Democratic nominee. An even larger share of white men without degrees favor the Republican, making both essentially unreachable by the opposing candidate. Uh, Talk about what is happening with white voters uh, who used to vote more as a singular bloc, but as you show, are diverging in an important way. So uh, we looked at this going back a long time, uh, going back to the mid-90s, because that's where you see this. I mean, back in 94, um, uh, white women with the bachelors and white men without uh, looked very similar. And then they kind of moved together for a while, and then it starts to blow open in 2000. And then in 2008, it really widens, and women go heavily Democratic and Republican, and uh, white men without a degree are essentially even, and then... During Obama's presidency, white men without a degree go heavily Republican. White women with a degree, uh, once you get past 2014, go heavily Democratic. So what do we think is going on? Well, we try, you know, whenever you look at these data, you can talk to people and you can talk about correlations, but you don't ever want to go so far to say something caused something. But 
Um, when you look closely at this data, what's happened is white women with a bachelor's degree on, on kind of cultural issues, when you think about guns, uh, I think even when you think about when you think about immigration, they look more and more like the Democratic Party. They're more and more in line with the Democratic Party's uh, ish stances on those things. And white men without a degree look more and more like Republicans. That's one part of it. The other thing is, particularly post-recession, white women with a college degree have seen their income recover and actually grow um, in, you know, adjusted for inflation over time, while white men without a college degree have actually seen, when you adjust for inflation, have actually seen their income drop. So, you know, there is, there's cultural, there's a cultural aspect to this, and there is, you know, there is a part of this that's white men without a college degree are not doing as well as they used to be, and they're, they are angry. And, and that was, the Democrats were in charge when, when, uh, when all that happened. And so, so if that, that diverging dynamic is caused by the divergence in their their outlook or their fortunes, I guess, uh, in in our in our culture, what's the thing that makes that maybe come back together? What's what's the 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 dynamic that gets introduced that reverses the trend? I gotta be honest with you, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, we. We all talk a lot about how America is divided right now, and we do this a lot. And, and in the past, I've always, I've, I, I haven't thought it's quite as true as it is right now. It really is. It is true. Uh, there are deep divides in this country, and they are socioeconomic and cultural. And I don't see what brings them back together. Um, I think the only thing, because, look, I spent a lot of time when, you, when I came on, I do run the American Communities Project at George Washington University, and we look at all these things, look at consumer data, all these things that push people into different kind of um, views politically and views on the economy, views on, on, on culture, those divides are just getting wider. And we, we are increasingly kind of walking off into our, um, into our little uh, affinity group with people we agree with. And I don't know what brings it back together. I think maybe some kind of political leader could try to bring it back together uh, because there are no kind of structural things ahead that I see anyway that could do it. Maybe, obviously, if there's some huge economic collapse, I don't think anybody wants that, but that would be everybody, everybody might start feeling the same again. But right now, I just, I don't see anything on the horizon. Hmm. Uh, again, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. Tell us about your election day experience at the polls. Tell us what you're seeing, what's motivating you, what concerns you might have about voting. Uh, You can also go to the WDET Facebook page, put comments there, or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. We'll work you into the conversation. Uh, Let's go to Garrett and Lake Orion. Garrett, welcome to Detroit Today. Happy election day. Happy Uh, election day. Thanks for having me on. To say this much, I am. Uh, I'm two days away from being 27 years old. Um, so it was actually interesting that my birthday always kind of falls near on election day as it <laughs> did in 2016. Um, but no, I, it, I, I did want to say this before I started out with uh, why I voted. That my location was actually pretty, uh, pretty busy. Surprisingly, um, there was a lot of younger people like myself who were uh, going in. You know, maybe before work or you know maybe taking a half day and then going into work this and that there's also a lot of your your old you know your senior citizens maybe your stay-at-home mothers things like that so there was a little bit of a varying crowd but i do know i had to wait maybe about a minute or two just because all the uh, polling locations were open there was probably about 15 of them in total so turnout today seems like it's a little bit more uh it seems like it's a little bit higher i guess than what i would have expected uh, at this time uh you know for any other midterm um but anyway steven i wanted to say what drives me to 
the polls today is, I think, three things in particular. I think the uh, congressional seat here in my district, so Mike Bishop going up against Alyssa Slotkin, Mm -hmm. um, and then uh, John James going up against Debbie Stabenow, I think really matters to me more than it does the governor. And obviously I voted for the governor, but I think that those two things, especially when you talk about the the power in the White House, when you talk about kind of the, the final two years of the Trump administration and what this means, I guess, for them moving forward, uh, it's really important there. And then I had to vote on Proposal 1, and I had to vote yes on Proposal 1 because I think that as a libertarian that there should be less government control. And so that, you know, I, I believe that, you know, a controlled, you know, substance like that where you can tax it is, is in my opinion, something that the government should uh, look into. So I think those are really the three things, Stephen, that drove me to the poll today. And, you know, I, as of now, I'm seeing a pretty big turnout, and I think it's actually going to uh, be exciting to see how this all turns out. Yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think uh, there's almost universal report of more and more people being at the polls than normally are. And you're right, that's going to make for a very interesting outcome. Garrett, I really appreciate the, the call and you sharing what's getting you motivated today. Dante Cini, I wonder, we just heard from Garrett, who's a pretty young voter here mm-hmm. in Michigan. I wonder if what you're seeing about this divergence among white voters looks different at the older end of the the, the voting uh, scale than it does at the younger end. Are, are younger voters uh, uh, affecting a different dynamic than what you see from older voters? So the answer is yes. Uh, the, the interesting thing is they go a little bit hand in hand. Um, <clears throat> every year, the number of college-educated voters in the United States increases, or a number of college-educated people in the United States, so that's with a bachelor's degree, mm-hmm. increases. So younger people, as they come in, I mean, obviously, after they'd have to be 22, 23 or over, are much more likely to have a degree than they used to be. So that's actually, that's a big factor. But just generally, 18 to 29-year-olds, 18 to 34s, depending on how you slice up the, the demographic pie, um, are heavily, heavily Democratic. There, I mean, there was obviously a period, uh, for people who know their political history, in the 80s, where they, they looked as though, uh, they and they were, they were a bit more Republican. That has really snapped back uh, over the past 20 years. It, and the numbers are, the numbers for 18 to 29s now, uh, the partisan numbers, they, they are overwhelmingly Democratic. It's not even close. <clears throat> and I will say one thing your voter was saying about increased turnout. Um, and we are seeing these high turnout numbers. Some of the early ballot numbers coming in right now from around the country, among 18 to 29-year-olds, the numbers are absolutely insane. So in Texas, um, com- this is compared to 2014, the last midterms. Um, 18 to 29 year olds, the the absentee early vote turnout is up 462 percent. That's 462 wow. percent. Tennessee, that group is up 663 uh, percent. And you can just go state by state. It's just it's uh, 409 in Nevada, uh, Georgia, 361. So young voters in particular, or young young to me. Uh, they are really, really turning out in this midterm. And obviously for Democrats, they think that's a very good sign. Hmm. Okay, Dante Cini, director of the American Communities Project at George Washington University and the author of the Politics Counts blog for the Wall Street Journal. Thanks very much for being here with us on Detroit Today. Thanks for having me.